In Villisca, Iowa, sits a quaint home where one of the most infamous uh, unsolved murders occurred in U.S. history. The house is now referred to as the Villisca Axe Murder House. And is believed yes, sir! Is believed to be haunted by those slain and even the murderer. To pull up a chair, join the circle, let's introduce ourselves in this weekly meeting of Alcoholic Anomalies. I'm your host, Jason Sparks, and as always, I am joined by my co-star, the man behind the stand, Bobby Strickland. Hey, everyone. <laughs> so, Bobby, obviously you got some <laughs> excitement. You stated in the in the first episode that you were looking forward to covering the Basilica Axe Murder House, and here we are. Yes, I'm so excited. Like, oh, I'm going to wait on this one for a hot minute. <laughs> Would you say that oh. this is probably your most favorite haunted locale? Oh, absolutely. Like, just hearing the story and everything behind it, like... Because, I mean, it was, like, gruesome murders. And, like, I don't know. Maybe I have a dark side to me. I don't know. But, like, if you look at where this house is, it's in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing around it. So, <laughs> so it's fields of corn. Uh, <laughs> and I think there's a tire swing up front. So, this gives it, like, even a little more, like, that creepy vibe. Like, I don't know. I love the story of it. Like, uh... I don't know. I'm always pumped up about this one. Absolutely. And honestly, whenever I was doing my research and everything, because uh, obviously me and you have uh, listened to uh, other entertainers and everything touch on the uh, the murder house. But uh, whenever I was doing the research, I really got more into the depth of how gruesome the murders really were and everything. Some of the things I didn't catch up on the first time listening through it. So I was I was very glad to read the script and I'm glad to be able to share it with you today. Um, but we'll go ahead and dive on in to the Axe Murder House. Uh, so the Axe Murder House uh, was home to uh, the Moore family. Uh, Jos- uh, Josiah uh, Moore, his wife, Sarah, and their four kids, Catherine, Paul, Herman, and Boyd. And Did the... <laughs> I mean, four kids, I, I think, is, <laughs> I think is, a, is a good spell, but... <laughs> This was a family around, you know, early 1900s. So, I mean, they, they, they could have, they might have been going farm. for more. Yeah, I mean, they live on a big farm. I mean, again, from the South, you always had big families because most of them live on a farm. So, it's like free labor type deal. So, that's why you saw a lot more bigger families in the South than you might see other places. Well, this is in Iowa, so I mean, not necessarily the South, but... But it is on a farm, though. Like, Midwest, South, like, anywhere there's farms, more than likely you're going to have a big family. That's fair. Um, But to kind of touch on what the house looked like as a whole, it was simply just a a two-story, three-bedroom house. Um, And the bedrooms themselves are not very large in size. Um... But to kind of dive a little bit further about the night that we're discussing at the uh, Axe Murder House. Uh, So the Moore family had returned back to their house on June 9th, 1912. And accompanying them were some of Catherine's friends, Lena and Ina Stillinger, who were able to stay the night and stayed uh, in the downstairs bedroom. Uh, to kind of give a better layout, there was one bedroom downstairs, the kids' bedroom upstairs, and also across the hall upstairs with the parents' bedroom. 
so the family had returned home uh, that night on June 9th uh, in their small town of about 2,000 residents. The following morning on June 10th, uh, their the Moore's neighbor, Mary Peckman, uh, had gone to the house to investigate after she noticed that the Moors had not been seen yet. Typically in the morning, they were known to start their daily chores and everything, uh, but had yet to be seen early in the morning. Uh, and when Miss Peckman had attempted to enter the home, she noticed that the door was locked, and so she called Ross Moore, Josiah's brother. And They're so when Ross from church though, right? I I thought that's how it was. Like they came home from church, right? It it was later in the night, um, so the possibility of of going to church and maybe going say to get something to eat thereafter, or going to sing a show is a possibility. So, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And so uh, Ross Moore had came after getting the call from Miss Peckman. Uh, he stepped into the house later that morning to find his brother, his sister-in-law, all their children, and the two friends of the eldest daughter slain. The killing blow was almost identical to uh, across all eight individuals with an axe wound to the head. So right off the get-go, pretty gruesome that eight individuals were killed in one small house, all with an axe. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's, like, the one thing that always gets me. Like, if I'm going to die, I don't want to be... There's, like, three things I don't want to happen. I don't want to drown. I don't want to burn up in a fire. And it's something about either knives or getting, like, cut and down from that. That's, I don't know, it's, this does it for me. Like, I just can't, ugh, it just makes me cringe just thinking about it. I mean, for me, I just think, you know just trying to fathom you know someone breaking into my house and you know murdering me in my sleep or you know say in this instance you know uh whenever i have kids and everything them coming into harm and then you know the individual trying to come after me thereafter you know and say i i awake to you know the uh, an unfortunate demise and everything knowing that i wasn't able to protect my kids you know it's, it's horrifying in a way but i thought I may be wrong on this, so I like, don't quote me on this. But I thought they, whoever did it, had, might have killed the parents first, because which you might get into this later. But I thought he was hiding in their attic, is what it was. And like whenever he came out, he came into the parents' bedroom, killed them first, and made his way downstairs. Yeah. So we we will touch on that, but to kind of touch on which room he went to first, that is still heavily debated. Um, and kind of the uh, debate goes between if he did go to the parents' room first or if he started on the first floor and made his way up. Um, the belief being that he started, like I said, on the first floor, then went up to the kids' room and finished in the parents' room. Mm, yeah. So a lot, of, a lot of debate on the investigation, of course, uh, and being in 1912 and everything, we, they didn't have the technology. Uh, that they do have today, uh, so a lot of evidence was not being able to find during the time. Uh, but the touch on the murders themselves. Uh... So hold on, time out. What if the guy, like, this is just like out of left field here. So what oh. if this guy, like, stumbled in this house, thought it was his own, went up to the basement, it's like, oh, this is a good place to sleep, passes out. Like, let's say he is hammered. 
at for some reason at this time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why he wandered off into like a house like out in the middle of nowhere like that. But <laughs> this wanders his house. Like, oh yeah, this looks good. This is my house. Like stumbles upstairs, falls asleep, wakes up, and then he's like in a panic because he sees all these random people that he believes are in his house. So he kills mm-hmm. them. I mean, I, I do think that's a little bit of a stretch because uh, the belief was that Josiah kept the his axe because it was confirmed that it was Josiah's axe that was used in the murders, but that the axe was more towards out towards his barn instead of being within the house itself. So was so, so is Josiah looked at as a suspect in this then? I mean. Because my thing is with this, like, like oh, Josiah was the one that died, right? Yeah, Josiah uh, himself was murdered. What about, like, maybe like a family member, like his brother? Uh, who's his brother? Levi? Is that what you said? Yeah, Ross. Wow, I'm terrible at names. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, I don't know uh, where he pulled Levi from, but. You know, I couldn't tell you. Um, maybe that's just my. My drink's talking right now. But, like... Because my thing is... Like, you have to know... Like, where this house is to get to it. Like... Like, well, it's it, not it, close it, to it, town. It is said that he did have neighbors. Um, so it can be said that, you know, he did live in some sort of neighborhood. So... Well, maybe this house is just gone now. Maybe that's the only house left standing. Because, like... I mean, I know from everything that I've looked at it, like, there's nothing around it. Like, it's just all fields and house. <laughs> With a right. tree out front. Like, one single tree out front. And that's really it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it almost kind of reminds me of um, the Amaville house, except not surrounded by woods. Instead of woods, it's all fields. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from the pictures I can find, uh, there's really not a good picture uh, of the surrounding buildings, except for the barn that was by the house. Yeah. I don't know. Um, which, I mean... Which, I, I, will, say... I will state this, there is a sidewalk in front of the house, so that would make me believe that he does live in a neighborhood. Huh. That's something I've never noticed before. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, they do say, I think it's like 80% of crimes are done by somebody that the other you person know. knows. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I don't know. But, I mean, I'll let you, I'll, I'll let you continue, because I want to, I'll let you continue before I make any other assumptions here. Okay. Alright, so, out of the eight murder victims, two of them uh, were a exception in the way they were systematically murdered. Uh, the first one being Josiah himself, who uh, was the only individual to be killed with the sharp end of the blade, to where all other seven individuals were killed with the back end, the dull end of the axe, uh, and therefore they were killed by blunt force trauma instead of the sharp end of the axe. Uh, the other exception was Lena uh, Stillinger, who, again, was one of Catherine's friends, who had received a cut on her arm, making investigators believe that she did put up a struggle before being hit uh, in the head with the dull end of the axe, resulting in her demise. 
so I don't know how to, how to think about this. So like, one part of me is like, you know, maybe the guy liked Josiah, but since he killed everybody else, he like let's say like for the investigation of this murder, let's say like he did kill all the all the kids first, and then went up to the yeah, to the parent room last. Like. Mm-hmm. Probably will say like you know maybe the guy liked Josiah, so he wanted to make it quicker for him by cutting him with the sharp end of the axe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like I don't get me wrong; it's painful either way. In my eyes, it is, but it's a lot less of a I don't know. I guess of a gruesome way to kill somebody with the sharp end rather than the blunt force trauma, I guess. Well, well, to kind of dive into that gruesomeness in its own, I think it's it's easier to kill someone with the blunt force of the axe because if I'm using the sharp end of the axe and say there's more than one individual that I'm trying to, to kill, if once, say, I go for the Y first, I use the blunt force of the axe and I use the sharp end, and say I dig that axe into, you know, as like I said, as gruesome as this is, you know, into her face. And now the husband who is closer to me wakes up. I'm going to have to, you know, pry this axe out to be able to swing it again. Versus if I just use the dull end, I'm able to recover quicker, come back up. And so now Josiah is my last victim. I can turn that blade up on my upswing and deliver down a, a quicker uh, blow to his face and therefore resulting in his death instead of potentially missing and, you know, just slightly grazing him with the, uh, the Dolan. But again, on the flip side of this, this is what I was going to get to. Like, I can see it being more gruesome than it that way because, I mean, there's going to be a bunch of blood either way, but if you do it with the sharp end, you're going to have a lot more blood than you would if you used the dull end. But here's the flip side of that, where I think he might have killed the parents first. Where mm-hmm. maybe he killed Josiah first, but he used a sharp end. It dulls because you're sitting there constantly hitting bone. And so he's having to use the dull end the rest of the way out to make so, it easier for him to get out. So, so my argument to that is in Josiah and Sarah's room... I uh, just want to double check. I'm almost positive. Yeah. Josiah and Sarah's room. Uh, there is a mark on the wall beside the bed uh, that was from what was believed to be the sharp end of the axe uh, from like a massive upswing. Say the killer was bringing it up far over his head, hits the wall with the sharp end of his axe before carrying down the lethal blow. Uh, so I believe the intent was to kill them that way from the get go. With the sharp end or with the dull end? With the dull end, since the, the sharp end hit the wall. Uh, instead okay, of gotcha, the, gotcha, the gotcha. End. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I don't but, know that. I, like I said, it's just so interesting, like this entire case, just because, like, there's so many different, like, scenarios that you could kind of go through. Like, and, like, it is, like, 
it's so weird because unsolved still to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's just it's I just find it really fascinating. Like I guess trying to get into the mindset of like who would want to do this this now because I mean from everything that I've heard about this story before is that the family was like very well liked but that could also be like a double-edged sword there where like you know well if everybody likes you so much like why would i just get rid of you you know type deal you're you're Um, you're my competition you know so i'm gonna get rid of it or or if you're wanting to uh terrorize an entire town of people why wouldn't you go after the most like people first yeah and just like put in that mindset of like you know if it's gonna happen to them like what's gonna happen to us type deal because like i have heard like people say like i don't know it's like very weird like mindset type deal but i remember being in college and i had a professor like he was like super like out there and he would say stuff like you know talking about school shootings and stuff like was going through the drills and like just to kind of keep it like realistic for us just like you know we're going through school shooting drills and stuff like that, right? Yeah, it's never going to happen to us. But he'll throw out the example of, well, if I'm going to shoot up a school, I would go to, like, the smallest one first, right? A Walmart, for example. Mm-hmm. He said, I would go to, like, a small-town Walmart, like, out in the middle of nowhere, like, where this college is, where people don't think anything like this is going to happen. If I do it at this one Walmart, if you're in a bigger city at another Walmart, you're like, well... I mean, if that happened in this small town, why wouldn't they do it in this big town? Like, so you're always on edge, like, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Yeah, using that example of, you know, it happened to the most esteemed individuals in the city, it could happen to me, too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't don't disagree with that, that, you know, maybe this was, you know, the potential start to a serial killer and, you know, his his potential rampage. And, you know, kind of touching on that, I want to bring up the fact that uh, a two-pound slab of bacon was found on the floor of the room that the Stillinger sisters were staying in and were murdered in. And so that kind of leads people to believe that maybe this two-pound slab of bacon was like his calling card, in essence. Uh, or Why that... would you ruin bacon like that? Two whole Come pounds, man. Now. I can't imagine that was cheap in 1912, uh, and especially in a small, small city. Uh, throw that on my Blackstone. We're cooking it all at one time, you know. If you want to come over, like, we can talk about it, you know. If you're still out there, which I doubt you are, if it's from 1912. Um, I, yeah, I have to imagine this individual's long past dead. <laughs> but, I mean, let, let's just bring up the vampire instance again. Let's say he's still kicking, so. Yeah, you know, just come over. We'll, we'll, we'll throw it on the griddle, you know. We'll, we'll throw that bacon on there. I might, you know, throw that peanut butter sandwich on there and throw some bananas. Just, Sprinkle it in there, you know. Like, let's just talk about. It. Like, I just want to know what's going through your mind. Like, All right, Elvis Presley, calm down. <laughs> uh, but another another theory as well uh, that BuzzFeed actually brought up was uh, maybe the two pounds of bacon was, you know, kind of like the uh, the horse found in the bed uh, that was, you know, from the infamous scene from Godfather. You know, kind of. Hey, you know, I, I I did this to your horse that was in your stable and everything, and it's laying in the bed next to you the next day. I can do the same, very same to you, you know. So, I don't maybe know. that the bacon, the bacon though. Like, I can. <laughs> it's 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 I, eating you up inside because you want to eat it. It's 
it's the fat kid inside me, you know? Which, <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of exerted itself like outward as well. But I mean, <laughs> I just couldn't, I just cannot waste like two pounds of bacon. And like, imagine if you like did this, if he was like a serial killer, mm-hmm. and he does this every time he killed, like, how much bacon is that? Like, eventually at some point, if I'm at that butcher shop, I'm like, look, dude, it's just you by yourself. You can't be going through that much bacon he, in a he's, week. He, like, he's, he's coming oh. in constantly, always asking for two pounds of bacon, and then the next day there's a murder and there's two pounds of bacon found on the floor. I think I'm finding some correlation and causation here, you know? I mean, or if he's going to, like, diff- I don't know. it. The two pounds of bacon. Like, I could understand, like, throwing water on the floor, like, being like, come on, doing the wet bandits, like, just keeping the water running, just flooding the house. <laughs> Like, come on now. Two pounds of bacon, though? Just wasted. Just wasted. There are hungry kids everywhere. You're just gonna waste bacon like that. And and uh, so, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and touch on it now, but I'll touch on it again later about the negligence that the investigators did in this investigation. I don't remember if these investigators, you know, took that bacon and they were like, well, it's not really evidence, so let's eat it, you know? Like... Did they let it go to waste, or did they use it themselves? Is that why they call cops pigs now? Is that is that is that what you're trying to get at? Hey, I mean, is I, that I is guess, that the correlation you're trying to make here? <laughs> what's what's the point you like to bring up? If it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, a duck. Then... But no, I'm uh, more than likely no, it's a duck. <laughs> more than likely it's a duck. But I mean, that n- nothing against law enforcement, except in this instance and other instances where you know they. Uh, mistreated evidence and you know were the prime reason that this instance is still unsolved to this day um but as i said before we'll, we'll touch on that here in a little bit but to kind of touch on a point that you had brought up previously so investigators had two theories on how the killer had entered the house the first being through a screen window on the first floor uh, but was later believed to be debunked uh, because of how that screen window could be taken off and was not an easy feat to do from the exterior of the house. Uh, but the most believed theory by investigators and theorists today is that the killer was hiding in the attic and had already picked up Josiah's axe before the family had returned home. Um, so you hit the nail on the head that, you know, more than likely the killer was already in the house. Uh, which would b- make people believe that he did start on the second floor and then went to the first floor. Uh, but I mean, again, with the evidence that honestly, was found, it, it can't be, you know, in- instinctively one way or the other. I mean, this, that's honestly the reason why every time, like, like I said, like I said before, I kind of live by myself. It's kind of weird, like, coming home and you like, start hearing like, certain things. And so that's why it's like, you know, am I really hearing that or not? Well, that's part of the reason why I go and check, like, every single room whenever I come home. Because, like, there's some weird stuff. Like, I've told Jason this one time. I came home, and for some reason, my TV in my basement was on. (laughs) And, like, I turned it off every night. It was off when I left. I came home, and it's on, and it has, like, some weird picture of some lady in a dress. And I have a picture of it, because, like, I sent it to him. And I was like, what is this? But, like, it just puts it in the back of my mind. like, okay, maybe somebody's here. So I go and check, like, every room. Like, I check everything every single time now whenever I come home because this one instance. 
just because like you don't know what people are thinking mm-hmm. and I don't know like maybe that's what the guy was aiming for like whenever he did this murder like I'm gonna affect people like for decades to come right and and to kind of lean on that a little bit I mean it's 1912 you're you were living in a small town what is the likelihood that you're locking your door when you leave the house you know i mean everybody knows everybody you know if any if your neighbor sees somebody in your house you know more than likely you know they're gonna go ahead and and phone local law enforcement really are you that worried to lock your house and i would argue more than likely not and then like on the flip side of that like this is the kind of thing that i'm talking about or that i want to touch on with the screened in like a screen window like if you're gone for that long in a day and like most small towns like this i'm sure like if they were at church like we'll just throw it out there like they're at church uh most people in a small town like they only have one church so most people are going to go to that one church mm-hmm. so you gotta think like this whole neighborhood's empty if it wasn't like a popular neighborhood whole neighborhood's empty. You got one guy. If he's struggling with a window, he's got all day to struggle with that window. Like, right. ain't nobody gonna try to stop him on that because there's nobody around. Yeah, so, I he mean, can take his time, essentially. Yeah. So, who's to say that, like... Like, I do believe that he was hiding out in the attic. Just because, mm-hmm. like, they basically came home, took a nap, or, like, they're trying to go to sleep for the night. But, either way, like, who's to say he didn't come over there once take off the screen in window mm-hmm. and like just kind of fit like mess with it to where he could just like pull it off real easily if he wanted to come back mm-hmm. and then once he completed the murders i mean nobody's gonna check on him till the next day i mean he can just kind of maybe right, he, he can... had four pounds of bacon you know and he just <laughs> left two pounds there on the floor i mean i don't know like <laughs> or just like, slipped out of his waist was, pocket you know i mean or maybe he was like Going for cannibalism. He was wanting to rock the girls and bacon and dumb over fire. You know, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's... From, from the evidence, more than likely not. He was leaning towards cannibalism, but we'll touch on that later. <laughs> but, I mean, like, it just doesn't... Like, something here doesn't add up. And it just blows my mind that, like, the law enforcement this time was just like, ah, oh, you know, it's just another murder. Whenever they killed... A family of four, or no, a family of six. six, and then two of the neighbor's daughters, yep. basically. I It just blows my mind with that. Mm-hmm. And this being, you know, such a small town, you know, that this isn't an everyday occurrence, you know. This is, you know, such shock value to everybody within the town. Um, and it's 1912. Like, there's not that many vehicles around. Like, most people are still walking or they're taking a horse and bucky around, like... <laughs> I mean, they couldn't have gone very far at this point. Absolutely not. Uh, but to, to kind of touch on where you were talking about maybe the instinct of cannibalism, one thing that is very distinctly noted is that the murderer was believed to have covered up the mirror in the room of the parents with clothing, and it also covered the faces of his victims and even closed the blinds. Some people believe that the reason he did that this was mainly for the mirror. Uh, once he had turned around and looked at himself, he felt ashamed. And also that's the reason he covered up the faces of the, his victims so he couldn't see them and therefore, you know, you know, covering up what he had just committed. 
I mean, I could, I could honestly see that. I mean, but I mean, you're already in like a messed up state if you're going to kill somebody. Much less a family, of, a family of six plus two. I mean, I mean, once you're that deep into it, like you're, you're in it. Like, yeah. I don't know why you'd want to try to turn back then, but right. And, I don't and know. Maybe my, my biggest. Maybe this is. Go ahead. I was, I was gonna say I, maybe this is going back to. I mean, I just watched the new Conjuring movie, like, the devil made me do it. Like, maybe, maybe he thought, like, if I see myself after I do this, like, boom, I snap out of it. <laughs> the devil made me do it. I'm going to claim insanity on this one. Like, I don't know. Like, it's, like I said, this case is just so interesting to me. And that's why I'm so excited to, like, just dive into this one. Just because, like, there's so many different possibilities with this one. And it's... Like, just the murder itself, much less how haunted the house is. Because we haven't even gotten into that part yet. We're still talking about the murder. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's it's just wild to think about. Right. And honestly, like, to expand on that a little bit, the reason I don't believe that, you know, the, the killer felt any sort of sympathy or regret was, one, the two pounds of bacon that he had left. You know, as, like I said, be it as a vindictive calling card or what have you uh but also uh the murderer maybe, had... maybe he was taking out their fridge you know maybe he was a little hungry and it just kind of slipped out of his pocket i mean i don't know <laughs> maybe he didn't mean to do that on purpose i mean that's well, just another that, that, theory does, there. that does lead me to the what i was going to say next was the fact that he uh is believed to have gone down to the kitchen on the first floor and fixed himself something to eat before leaving through the front door and locking it I mean, if you got all day, I mean, I mean, might as well enjoy your time there. I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, if you're, I mean, that's just kind of like, that's, it's really bold, really. I mean, yeah. But, like, who's to say, because they say, like, the quickest way to, like, catch somebody is going back to, like, they'll eventually go back to the crime scene. Yep. And that's why I'm saying, like, you know, I wouldn't just count out his his brother on that. You know, just because, like, maybe because his his brother's family was so liked around town, like maybe he got jealous of it. Like he was thinking, like he could never live up to his brother, which I don't know anything about, like his brother or like their family or anything like that. Right, but, Ross was a suspect, and obviously, since uh, the neighbor had called. The brother uh to come over and you know investigate since the door was locked obviously ross did have a key to the house yeah so who's to say like he didn't open up the door walk in lock it back go hide in the attic wait until they fell asleep and then or like even if he didn't like at this point with it being his brother like he might not have hid out in the attic like he could have just been like just chilling with them and they're like all right we're going to bed it's like, all right i'm gonna stay up with the kids for a little bit send them off to bed and like he acts like he's gonna leave at that point, but he just stays, and right. like, he makes and sure they're all sleep. Murders. Yeah, I mean, because I mean that's just very like it's one that you wouldn't expect, you know, right? Um, to commit something like that. Absolutely, and like you said, you know, a high percentage of you know crimes are committed by someone that they know of the victim. Uh, 
But to kind of touch a little bit further on, as we previously discussed, you know, the, the negligence of local law enforcement. So the murder weapon, which, as I previously stated, was Josiah's axe, uh, was contaminated by the locals of uh, the town after the, uh, the local town marshal, uh, marshal had allowed locals to pick up the murder weapon. And so that, that it blows my mind that, you know, a crowd of about 100 to 200, you know, local civilians gather at the murder house the day after the murders had been committed. And then local law enforcement is swinging around. Hey, yeah, this is the axe, you know, anybody want to pick it up? And the individuals are like, absolutely, you know, these guys are picking it up, put, swinging it over their head, you know, being like, yeah, what would, it, what would it take to do this and everything? So it's contaminated with, you know, several other individuals' handprints, you know. But do they have DNA technology like we do today back in this time? Because I didn't think that really came out until, like, the 60s. Um, fingerprints were a thing, I do believe, at this time. Uh, they obviously weren't, you know, nowhere near to the technology that they are today. Uh, but that, you know, technology did exist, to my understanding, um, but as a result, though, still with the negligence, we could have used uh, technology of today to find out who the murderer was. But since the contamination did occur, there's no uh, a, there's no capability of doing so. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, um, and the the crowd was so large that it, and it, it developed so much into that crowd mentality that the National Guard had to be called to this crime scene to secure it so that the investigation to, could continue uninterrupted. So again, Yeah, I mean, just, that's, that's the only thing I don't like about, like, crimes in small towns because, like, everybody's going to find out about it. Everybody's going to want to come see it. Like, it's just hard to figure out, like... Because who's to say that the murderer didn't come back whenever all the crowd showed up, you know? Yeah, um, didn't, you know, find else. enjoyment in, you know, this crowd being like, hey, look what I did, you know, like, this is awesome, you know, this is a, yeah. this is my parade right now. Yeah, I, it, like, you gotta be a sick individual, like, <laughs> that's the only thing I can think of, like, it's, again, I, it's just so wild to think about like, all the different possibilities go on with this. Absolutely. Uh, but to dive into some of the paranormal activity that has been, you know, recorded happening at the Axe Murder House. Uh, first instance being that it is said that while staying in the house that you could hear the kitchen door opening and closing and that footsteps uh, can be heard coming up the stairs and into the children's room, which makes, you know, uh, medians believe that the murderer had, you know, came from the exterior of the house to the first floor to the children's room and then finally the parents' room. Uh, but again, due to the lack of uh, evidence and everything, that is still heavily disputed. But who's to say it's not like little Sally, like, coming home from wherever they came home from, like... They're just in that constant loop of that one day, like the residual energy. I right, just right. coming in the door, going up to my fan, or going up to my room, like chilling out for a little bit, just hanging out, and then like going to say hey to the parents, and then whatever they did after that. 
Right. Yeah, that's just the ghost going through her normal routine. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 is a fair point to bring up. Um, another interesting thing is that the room the Stillinger sisters were staying in, it is said that uh, whatever spirits still reside there today uh, have the ability to turn off and on flashlights on command. Uh, investigators being able to put out a flashlight asking you know that they will turn off that flashlight on command and then turning it back on again i know one thing i'm gonna stop recording these podcasts like in the dark because that's just like whenever you said that my computer went off like <laughs> like i'm i'm done like i'm gonna turn the light back on i'm about to sit here and enjoy the rest of this podcast like um uh, i don't deal with that like i, I hate the dark anyways I mean, I usually had like a little nightlight or something. I have my watch light, something on, and just in case I need to get up and out in a hurry. Listeners, don't let him lie to you. He still has a nightlight plugged in. It's a little Scooby-Doo nightlight. I have seen it. Um, okay, look. Scooby-Doo-Doo. I mean, <laughs> come on now. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to help me find these ghosts. Exactly. I'm his shaggy at this point. You, uh, you get the Scooby Snacks is what you're saying? I got plenty of Scooby Snacks. We got the Mystery Man. Like, we can get out of here in a hurry. Right. Well, uh, when when the FBI comes knocking on your door, uh, I'm going to blame this episode. So uh, we'll roll with that. Uh, Wait, hold on. Why would they come knock on my door? Hey, you know what Scooby Snacks were. Well, look, I'm real close to state line. Just go across the river. There's, It's legal in the state just north of me. We'll just put it that way. There you go. Okay. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so, to to further touch on some of the anomalous behavior, uh, audio recordings upon investigation are also believed to turn up the voice of not only the victims but as w- the murder as well. Um, some of the uh, the voices that have been picked up are you know heard to say you know things such as "Help me." or uh, uh, stop, but some of the other uh, voices are believed to say, you know, stop me, you know, believing that it is the voice of the murderer himself, you know, trying to find, you know, solace and some capability, some exterior force to help him stop, you know, his actions that he's out of control and he can't, can no longer control his actions. I, that's, that's wild, like, because I heard, I had heard like the stop and like the help me, but I never heard the like heard the fact about the stop me, like mm-hmm. type deal. Um, yeah. That God, it's wild. Like it almost like makes me. Not, I don't know if like joyful is like the right word. Just like just kind of like thinking about like okay, so this person knows like I I messed up. Um, what I've done is wrong, I, you know. Yeah, and so like I need, I need somebody to help me out at this point. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's too late now, but like I'm wanting to still right my wrong, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's why he still haunts that house. Like maybe he's still trying to connect with those the victims that he had that are still living in that house. And he's like, you look. Like, I messed up. I shouldn't have done this. But I want you to understand, like, 
I am sorry for what I did. Right. It's the regret that still holds him to that building. And, you know, uh, some additional audio recordings in the attic of the uh, uh, Axe Murder House, you know, upon asking, you know, who is in here, uh, the response being, I am, you know, further submitting, you know, the belief that the Axe Murderer was in the attic and everything, and that it's him responding and trying to reach out saying, you know, I am here, you know. And like, but on the flip side of this, um, like, what if it's just like a demonic entity, like, like his, he's like a demonic spirit, mm-hmm. and he's wanting you to, like, he's still trying to connect with the living by saying, like, stop me, you know, like, I'm reaching out for help. Mm-hmm. But once you, like, give in and try to give him that help, that's where he latches on to you and takes you on a whirlwind. Right. Like, takes advantage of you in that instance. Yeah, I mean, so... I mean, that's the only reason why like, I'm so skeptical about going to some of these places. Just because... Like, part of me is like, okay, I'm going to help this person. Because, like, that's one thing like, I like to do is like help people out. But on the flip side of that, it's like, you know can I really help them without getting hurt I guess right um, and and I'm interested that you brought up that point you know of, hey whenever I do seek to aid this thing am I going to hurt myself in the fact because of the story uh that happened in 2014 so in 2014 a man and his elderly parents had stayed the night in the house and the next day the man was allegedly found on the floor of the room of the Stillinger sisters were found in with a knife he had brought with himself stabbed in the chest and the murder weapon uh, used in 1912 found in that very room you know and it was said that this individual you know had came to this location you know wanting to you know agitate spirits you know wanting to get a response you know also wanting to you know be able to prove to himself that you know paranormal activity does exist you know that it is a real thing uh but later that man had returned to the house after recovering and the entire time while he was in the house it is said that he was apologizing to the house itself for any transgressions that he had gone done against it that man got lost in the sauce on that one i mean <laughs> he, that's... he asked for too much <laughs> <laughs> he, he cashed a check that or he wrote a check that he couldn't cash you know on that his one. ass could I not mean... could not cash it and he paid the repercussions <laughs> I, I mean, mean... This, this this dude literally brings a a knife on his waist belt and it is like yeah i'm gonna go in there and talk some shit to some ghosts and it's like expecting nothing bad i mean why did you bring the knife in the first place are you gonna fight a ghost with a knife like what was the plan here i'm really not sure i'm i'm gonna stab that that ghost that murdered all these kids i'm gonna give him like a like a piece of his own medicine or a taste of his own medicine, you know? Like, I am the one to cut. I, <laughs> I'm gonna fight these ghosts. No, they gonna scare me. I got a knife on me. And like that's the that's the one thing, like like you know, we've talked about like me and you, we haven't talked about on the podcast yet, but like some things that we we've went through like personally, like that makes us believers. Mm-hmm. And like even like the house I live in now, like I had somebody over, 
and we were down here in my basement, and literally they jumped because they they heard somebody walking around in my kitchen, mm-hmm. and nobody was there. But my thing is with it, like you know, I can't do anything like against that. I mean, how do you? Find I'm not. I'm not trying team? to go five rounds, <laughs> five minutes with a ghost. That that that's just not for me. I mean. I mean, that's that's a that's a battle I can't win. Like, you know what? Let it be. You know, if they they want to go play some putt putt with my putter, like they have, like they picked up before, go play some putt putt. You know, uh, I can get a new putter. You know, I, I'm good with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna be mad. I'm not gonna be mad. I mean, if you want to go with me, let's go. We'll we'll go play 18 holes. You know, um, I don't know how you're gonna really tee off, but uh. I might, that might be a game I might be able to win, <laughs> but <laughs> Bobby accepts a demonic possession just to play golf. <laughs> but I mean, I that's I don't know. I that's the one thing like I'm not gonna go in to a place that is quote unquote haunted mm-hmm. and try to try to antagonize to try to prove something to myself. No, you got it, big dog. <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't trying to push you too far. Like you, you want to show me something? You can show me, but if not, cool. I mean, I'll walk right back out. Right. Uh, I'm not gonna you antagonize here, you to do it. Yeah, if you don't want me here, let me know right off the bat. As soon as I walk in, you just like throw something against the wall, like a rock or something. Like don't throw anything big, cause uh, then I'm really like hitting the road like super fast, but. I just thought rock is the wall. But, all right, cool. You showed me. I got my evidence I need. I think I think you should have a good night. Please stay here. Don't follow me. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to this house by myself. Uh, so, so you're not going to pull a haunter and uh, pick up an axe and just start slinging around being like, is this what you did? You did this? You think you hot shit? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm good. I'm good. Because uh, I used to say like that, that axe might bounce off a wall and like come back at me, you know? Uh, quote unquote wall. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> ghost wall. I'm straight on that. Uh, <laughs> you can, again, you throw one rock, I'm out. I appreciate you letting me in. Just stay here. Don't follow me. <laughs> all, all it sounds like is, is, is we're going to have 10 minutes worth of investigation with me and you, and then I'm going to be just left to my lonesome for the remainder of the time. That's what this is I sounding you, like. I will leave you a flashlight and hope the ghost girls don't turn it on and off for you. <laughs> um, but I will be sitting in the car watching over you from afar. <laughs> <laughs> you're going like, to be in the car being like, oh, they're, they're going to get him. They're going to get him. Yep, and I'm a scary on out in the mystery van. Uh, <laughs> see, see, that's going to be my fear whenever we do go to investigate these locations, that you're just going to walk out. I'm going to hear a car crank, and I'm going to be like, well, there goes my ride. Uh, I'm stuck here. Sweet. But, like, on the flip side of that, like, I, I back to um, the Halloween special of Red Web. You know, they went to that one hospital mm-hmm. where... You know, they just got comfortable. And, like, so they started wanting to antagonize, like, just trying to provoke ghosts, like, do something. Mm-hmm. And I remember them saying, like, you know, 
this is like really dangerous just because like we are getting so comfortable because nothing's happening mm-hmm. like once something does happen like like you don't know what to, like what to expect after that point because i mean you right. talked all this to this ghost and then once they finally get to the point where they can start doing these things they're like oh well I'm screwed. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you, you, you talk that shit. And now they're they're gonna gonna run back on you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get lost in the sauce. I can say uh, <laughs> on that one. Like I'm I'm good on that. <laughs> so so you're not gonna go and try and punch a ghost? I mean, I mean. If a ghost wants to square up, I'll square up with him. I ain't going back down. But I don't know how I'm going to win that fight. <laughs> I'm going to go down swinging, though. <laughs> All right, so so whenever I record Bobby just throwing jabs in the air and getting knocked out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and vacate the premises. Well, I mean, we got to have a referee somewhere. Come on now. <laughs> you, I'll give you that zebra shirt. You're just going to be standing right there in the corner. It's looking back I'm, and forth. I don't know what you're going to be looking at, but you're going to be looking at me and something else. Maybe a wall, but... <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure to wear the, the, the black pants and, and the black polo and, like, the, the black, you know, latex gloves and everything. I'll be that MMA referee <laughs> and everything. And I'll be ready to call the you fight, ready? you know. You ready? Let's get it on! <laughs> T- touch gloves and let's get after it. <laughs> yeah, that's... I don't know. Like, I just don't know... That's that's the one thing I I just can't like see myself doing. But then again, like we might get to a location like I get too comfortable and like I do start doing that. But I mean, I just cannot see myself being like, you know what? There's nothing here. I'm just gonna talk all this crap. You know, screw this. Like, if you're going to do something, you're going to do something at this point. Um, like I just can't I just can't see it happening. But Bobby, again, I, I, I hate I hate to disagree with you. I, I absolutely think nothing's gonna happen, and you're just gonna be like, "What the frick? Let's let's show me something." And I, I might be like that. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Some of these other locations, I might like. If we ever go to Shreveport, I might do it there. Mm-hmm. Axe Murder House, more than likely not. <laughs> <laughs> just because, like, I know so much about this one, like, and that's part of the reason, like. In most of our episodes, like, I make a bunch of jokes and stuff, but this one, like, I don't know, it's different. Like, it's one that I don't want to make jokes about, just in case, like, there's any repercussions, like, down the road from this right. one. Uh, You're passionate <laughs> about this one and also don't want to antagonize, you know, a, a a vindictive ghost, you know, and or demon, so. Yeah, so, like, that's, that's part of the reason, why, like, why I'm kind of, like, holding back on this one. Where, like, on these other episodes, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, put me in that wheelchair, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like this one, it's it's just so different. Like, out of all the haunted locations, like, I know about, and, like, that I've, like, done research and everything on, this is the one, lo- one location that just, I don't know. There's just something that draws me to this one where it's just like, you know, this one's just so interesting compared to all the others. Like, the Omnibus so House. Like, tonight? I don't know about that. But, uh. 
but I mean, like, even, like, the Amiibo house, and, like, I mean, there's movies made about that one, but, like, I feel like this one's so much more interesting than that house. Mm-hmm. Like, that house may be more haunted, but this one has so much more history like, that you can track back to this one, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, but to go ahead and close out this episode, Bobby, do you have any final remarks? Axmer, like I said, Axmer House, like top. I'm I'm put it at the top of my list on like anything that we're gonna do, like, that we're gonna talk about. I this is like my number one. Um, now we may come back and talk about like some places that we've actually have been, like on campus, like at. Uh, the University of North Alabama, because uh, that's actually like a very haunted campus. Uh, <laughs> but we may talk about some of those. But like, for ones that I do want to look like visit at some point, not to like investigate, but to like just see the history there and like maybe try to like piece together the puzzle. It's gonna be the Axe Murder House. Um, it's it's up there for me. Fair enough. What about you? Do you got any closing remarks? Because you haven't really talked about like, what you think about this location. I mean, I'm in the same boat as you. I mean, I am super stoked to hopefully be able to visit this place as well. And I mean, kind of the antithesis of what you were saying, you know, I actually do want to, you know, pose that investigation. And, you know, I feel like I'm going to be more the guy who's going to be prone to, you know, antagonizing, you know, because um, I'm going to these locations, you know, Putting, putting forth, you know, the the money and, and the time to go to these locations and I don't want to be leaving empty-handed, you know. Uh, now, that's very easy to say from the comfort of my own home. Uh, in my opinion, might desperately change at the instance I get there. But I do feel like, you know, I'm going to be that antagonizing individual and, you know, hopefully I don't end up, you know, going home with more than I, I came there with, you know. Hopefully no three scratches down my back or anything like that, but Again, Jason, don't don't write a check that you can't cash. <laughs> don't hey, do it now. <laughs> if 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 a, a ghost wants to fight, I'm gonna be like, all right, cool, uh, but you got to go through him first, and then I'm right, oh, no. I'm right behind him. I'm uh, I'm gonna take my two steps to the to the left and open up the gate to you. I'm out of that one. <laughs> that that ghost's gonna come with a haymaker. You're gonna two step to the left, and I'm just gonna get it right to the jaw. I mean, I'm just gonna knock Gosh, that. that- that reminds me of a TikTok I saw the other day of, uh, it was like this couple at a hotel and, like, they help out on, like, a platinum member at this hotel first. And, like, this woman goes berserk, like, starts pulling this guy's hair and everything. Well, the husband walks over there trying to break it up and the husband gets knocked out. <laughs> yep, that, that, in this instance, this is, this is gonna be me getting absolutely KO'd from a ghost. No, I feel like it's going to be me, because you're going to be the one that's doing all the antagonizing. They're going to be <laughs> me first. <laughs> Jeez. I'm, I'm going like, to be like, sorry, Bobby. Uh, I'll, I'll wake you up tomorrow. Wake me up when we get home. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just let you lay in the back of the truck, and we'll, we'll head on home. <laughs> and or we'll, we'll wake up next to each other on the floor after I got knocked out there after you. Who knows, uh, if you bring a knife like, uh, old buddy did, you know, 
We not, may not be waking up. <laughs> yeah, I might be waking up in a pool of my own blood. So, no yeah, knives on that adventure, just flashlights. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's do flashlights and uh, maybe a laptop too, just to maybe do a recording. <laughs> so, yeah, just maybe, just maybe. Yeah, maybe. All right, all right so uh, I, I believe that's all we really got for this episode. Uh, like I said, this one's going to be, this one is like a little bit more serious compared to like some of our other episodes just because me and jason both just have so much respect for this house and like this case like it's just again it's just very fascinating to both of us um but we do just want to throw out a few disclaimers like we do at the end of each episode um so me and jason are drinking throughout this entire series that we're going to be doing um but i will let you know like we are staying at, at each respective house um we're not gonna be out driving or anything like that so we just want to make sure all you are safe if you are drinking make sure that you are over the age of 21 um and make sure that you are drinking responsibly um if you or a loved one are struggling with depression or suicidal tendencies please call the united states national suicide prevention lifeline at 800-273-8255 help is available 24 7 um, I mentioned this in the last episode. I'm still working on uh, the social media um, handles and everything for Twitter and Instagram. I will hope to have all of that uh, up and uploaded before uh, the next episode gets recorded. So be on the lookout for that in our description. Uh, if you do enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to us. Uh, tell your friends about us. Um, again, we're not really trying to make a ton of money off this. We're just really just doing it because we enjoy talking about these different things. And we just want to invite everybody to the circle. Just have a place where all of us can kind of come and chill. Um, but, Jason, do you have anything else you want to add into that? I think you covered it perfectly. All right. Well, again, if there's anything that you are struggling with, with depression or suicidal tendencies, please just reach out to the United States National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. Again, help is available 24-7, and we love you guys.